welcome to my yet soon to be named podcast. I have no idea what I'm going to call this thing. This is something that I never thought I would do. Yesterday I said, oh, I want to make a podcast. And today I made a podcast. Following through with something is very off-brand for me, so I'm kind of out of my comfort zone. But I'm all for a challenge, so here goes nothing. This is probably going to be a mess, I won't lie, but it might be a fun mess. So please give it a chance. This is going to be very BTS-centric. I'll possibly talk about other things along the way, but as for now, I'm going to talk about those seven chaotically, beautifully talented, amazing men who have taken over my life in such a way that it's almost abnormal. And I know that I'm not the only one. I'm going to start with an introduction. My name is Lisa. I am from Somerset, New Jersey, and I wear many hats. I am a mom. I am a wife. I am a friend. I am a sister. I'm a daughter. I'm an aunt. I'm a wannabe mommy blogger. I'm a photographer. And as it pertains to this particular podcast, if you haven't already figured out, I am BTS ARMY. Loud and proud. I am one of those infamous older armies, however. Some may refer to us as hags. I am not going to get into that, even though I have a lot to say about it, but I just wanted to make it known that I am a woman of a certain age, and if that's not your thing or it skeeves you out, you can leave. I'll wait. Okay, if you're still here, I'm going to dedicate the first episode to telling you about my BTS journey. Unfortunately, the events that led me to them are dark, so I want to give you a trigger warning. I'm going to be very open and very authentic with this. I'm going to talk about death and suicide and depression and chronic illness. Those were a part of my dark before the dawn. The dawn very dramatically being Bangtan, of course. So I just wanted to let you know if those things are going to be triggery for you. I love you and I am not offended if you have to turn this off. So with all of that being said... Here is my story. My journey with Bangtan started a little over a year before I found them, or they found me. We found each other. I lost my dad in June of 2017. It wasn't necessarily unexpected, but it happened quicker than we thought. There was no time for goodbyes or the closure that we thought that we'd get, so it was kind of a shock to the system. For those of you who have lost a loved one, you understand how chaotic it is after it happens. There's a mad rush of people and food and just activity surrounding you for a good portion of that time. And it's a distraction and it's something that you need, I think, to get by. But once all of that ends, you're left with, well, now what the fuck do I do? How do I proceed to go on? How do I figure out life without this very important piece of my puzzle? And it's very difficult and you're in a fog and it takes a lot of work. And I remember being angry that I saw the mailman delivering mail. I thought, how dare he go on like nothing has happened? How dare he go on when I'm struggling? And what a dumb thing to be upset about, but I remember it so vividly because I was just very upset with this person who clearly didn't understand the struggle in my life. 
And it was at that time that I said, okay, Lee, it's time. You need to reel it in and you need to begin to figure out how to proceed. I would say about a month later, I finally was starting to come out of my fog when then strike two happened. And strike two was in the form of a phone call from my hysterical husband screaming and crying that his cousin committed suicide. She took a gun to her head with her five children and husband in the next room. This was somebody who we had a great relationship with. They took us into her home. Um, We had lots of things in common. She was a lovely person and by all accounts, very happy, very dedicated to her children and to her husband. So this was a shock. This was a huge shock. And it was something that made me so sad knowing that she portrayed this, this happy sort of exterior and knowing that she struggled so deeply, I, I felt horribly for her. I don't pretend to understand that mindset. I don't pretend to understand the thought process that somebody goes through during that time. Um, I just know in my heart of hearts that it had to be very lonely and very sad. And it's, it's just something that's still to this day just sits in the back of my mind and I just, it makes me sad. So you go back into that mad rush of people and food and excitement and, and the distraction. Um, having to go to a funeral so soon after burying my dad was very difficult. Um, but you go on because you have to. And you pick up the pieces and you move forward. And that's something that I did try to do. After that, In order to regain some sort of normalcy in our lives, we planned a trip to one of our favorite places in the entire world, the Outer Banks in North Carolina. And right before we left, I had to go to the doctor because I wasn't feeling well. The doctor said, okay, I'm going to run some tests, do some blood work, and I'll call you in a couple of days with the results. And I said, well, I'm going to be on vacation. And he said, well, I'm going to call you anyway. And that was very ominous. (laughs) Even to this day, I'm like, oh, I should have known. Um, so as my children were on vacation, as we were all on vacation, I should say, and my kids were climbing the body lighthouse in North Carolina, I received a phone call from my doctor and my doctor said, Lisa, I hate to break it to you, but the kidney disease that we thought was gone is back. And not only is it back, but it's back with a vengeance and you need to start your protocol right now. So I had to start my protocol. I had to start my treatment and I had a, I had a breakdown in front of the lighthouse in North Carolina. What was supposed to be this wonderful family vacation of healing and togetherness and love was now thrown another curveball in this horrible, horrible summer. And I just had a breakdown. And I pulled it together a little bit and I said, okay, we can do this. We did this before, I'll do it again. It's great, it's fine, it's fine. And I made peace with it at that moment and I decided that it was just you know, whining about it wasn't going to fix it. So let's just do what you got to do and move on. So that night with my newfound gung-ho, I was going to do this and it was going to be fine and nothing else was going to ruin this summer. I got a phone call and it was from my brother who was acting very strange on the phone. And he said, Lee, you need to go to another room because I have something very important to tell you. And so I left 
where I was. I left and went to another room and I said, okay, you need to now tell me what's going on because you're scaring me. And he said, I don't know how to tell you this, but our uncle is dead. He hung himself. And our aunt and cousin found him. And I lost my shit. The suicide earlier in the summer was really, really difficult. It was somebody who I had known for, for some time. Someone who I loved and admired. Someone who I had a relationship with. But this was different. This was somebody who was a huge part of my life. This was somebody who I grew up with. This was somebody who took me to concerts and took me snowboarding and somebody who just everybody loved. Again, somebody who presented himself as very happy and funny and all of these wonderful things. And to think that he was so upset and so sad and alone. Someone who had this thought process that the only way that I will feel better is if I take my life. And it still to this day bothers the hell out of me. It's, it's just something that you just don't get over. So I had another breakdown, had to explain to my children yet again that summer that somebody that we loved is gone. And we left our vacation early to come home with my family, to be with them, to be there for them. And another funeral and more hubbub and more chaos and more hugs and food and all of the things that go along with loss, more distraction. And when all of that's over, again, you figure out how you're going to go on and friends, I have to tell you, it was really, really difficult. Because it wasn't just one loss. It was three losses. It was three losses and it was three huge losses. On top of that, now I'm sick. On top of that, my children are emotional messes. On top of that, my depression is coming back. How am I supposed to tell my children that it's going to be okay when I don't know that it's going to be okay? It's just an added element on top of my loss. It's their loss. So I'm grieving these people, but I'm also grieving for my children because they're so lost as well and they're young and they don't know how to express what's going on and my oldest in particular when my father passed away had a very visceral physical reaction he actually got so physically sick that I almost had to bring him to the hospital he had 104 fever and he just he just was so so upset as a mom it was just so hard as a daughter, as a cousin, as a niece, it was hard. But as a mom, it was so much more difficult. Because not only do I have my grieving, but I have to take on theirs as well. So after all the sadness, there was more sadness because it was the first 
Thanksgiving without them. And it was the first Christmas without them. And it was the first of everything without them. And that is just an added layer of sadness and depression and darkness. Oh, and by the way, my mom moved in with us. And she, of course, was grieving in her own way and being the empath that I am. Having her in her room crying took a toll on me. And so it was this constant cycle of sad and dark. And I was on 80 milligrams of prednisone for my kidney disease. And that made me angry. So I was angry, sad, and... I ate a lot <laughs> because that's just how I deal with stress. So it was just this this cycle of it was self-destruction. There was a there was a a huge self-destructive element to all of this. I would eat myself into oblivion and then cry and then be angry and it just was this vicious cycle. And I didn't know how to smile. And if you know me or know anything about me, I'm a genuinely happy person. I love to laugh. I love to smile. These are all things that I have always just done. Um, And so for me not to do that, even I noticed. And I noticed that it was just, it was, I was really in a bad place. And I'm not saying that I shouldn't have been because, you know, it was a pretty hellish time. But it was almost to the point where I was annoying myself. And I really, really needed to get a grip. But unlike those other times when I had those heart to hearts with myself and I said, all right, Lee, it's time. It's time just to to move on. I couldn't do that this time. And that's what made this different. I, I was in a very deep, dark depression. My smile was gone. My happy was gone. And I didn't know how to get it back. And I struggled for the greater part of 2018. I struggled. And there were glimpses of Lisa and there were glimpses of happy and there were glimpses of smiles and laughing. I have a great family. I have great friends. And so they really sort of made this process a little bit easier, but it was still very difficult. And then this random day happened in September of 2018. I noticed that on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, he was having on a K-pop group. I had heard of this K-pop group, but my preconceived ideas of K-pop were Ugh, who listens to K-pop and why are people going so crazy over this K-pop band? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Choking. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's what happens when you do a podcast at your kitchen table surrounded by snacks. You choke on a pita chip. Anyway, so my preconceived ideas of K-pop were Gangnam Style and Psy. And how that was sort of marketed as a novelty because it was very kitschy and it was very quirky. And yes, it was huge, but I feel like it was 
sort of portrayed as almost a joke. And if I'm wrong, I don't think that I am. But if I am, I apologize. But that's just kind of how I took it. So that was my idea of K-pop. That is what I thought of K-pop. And so in hearing that this K-pop group was so huge in the United States, I didn't, I didn't understand it. There were a lot of things that I didn't understand. I don't understand the language. So why would I even attempt to listen to this? I don't understand the fascination with them. So why would I give it a shot? But damn it, I love Jimmy Fallon. And if he's going to have them on the show, maybe I need to give it a shot just to see what the hype is all about. Um, so I clicked on a YouTube link and I watched their performance of Idol. And then I watched it again. And then I made my kids watch it with me. And then I made my husband watch it with me. And then I text my best friend the link and I said, hey, you should check this out. They're really great dancers. And then I watched it again and again and again. And you know what I noticed? I noticed I was smiling. I noticed that I was happy. I noticed that I was genuinely entertained. And I didn't know why. And I certainly didn't know what they were saying. And I didn't know who was who. They were really pretty. That's all I knew. But damn it, could they dance? And that was the first thing that drew me to them. That was the thing that hooked me. And I remember it so clearly. The smile on my face, the happiness that I felt. I was confused, but I was happy. And that was the beginning. It's a well-known joke in the fandom that you fall down the rabbit hole because you only wanted to learn their names. And that's exactly how it happened. After watching the idol performance and seeing them dance, I didn't watch anything else. I didn't watch the interview. I didn't watch the I'm Fine performance until probably a week later. It was all about idol for me. For whatever it was, it was that song, that choreo, just the way they were, they danced and they expressed themselves. It was that for me. So it was, it was a week of just idle. It was like a part of my daily routine. I would wake up in the morning, I'd watch idle. I'd bring the kids to school. I'd come home and watch idle. I would get ready for work. I'd watch idle. I would come home from work. I'd watch idle. It was really very much a part of my daily routine just because it made me so freaking happy. And I sort of decided that if I was really going to get into this, I really needed to learn more about them. So I wanted to learn their names. So you type BTS names <laughs> and holy moly, a lot of stuff comes up. And, and, and that's when I began to realize, A, that they've been around for a really freaking long time, that they're not new by any means. Holy crap, there's a lot of them. Holy crap, I'm never going to learn their names. I'm never going to learn about them. I'm never going to know their personalities. I'm never going to know all of this stuff because there's just so much information. And really, honestly, to this day, I, I, there's still a lot of information that I'm still taking in every day. My second experience with them was the fire performance from, it was either Melon or the Mamas. I'm not sure. Um, 
it blew my mind. It blew my mind. Still didn't know what they were saying. Still didn't know who they were. But holy moly, can they dance? I don't, I don't know what it was about. I mean, I do know. It's captivating and they're freaking talented as hell. But it's just, that was what I fixated on. Like, hyper fixated on. And then came the moment where I decided to go watch the rest of the Jimmy Fallon show. And I watched them do the Fortnite dances. And I'm like, oh gosh, they're funny. And oh my gosh, they're like really cute too. My kids particularly liked the Fortnite dances because they're huge fans of Fortnite. So they watched that with me, which made it even more fun because I'm just like, oh guys, look at them, they're so cute. And they're like, shut up mom, they're doing the floss. I digress. Then I watched their interview. And that's when I learned their names. I watched it at nauseum, actually, until I figured out who was who. I remember not knowing the difference between Jin and JK. I remember very vividly the one who I first noticed was Namjoon. And all he had to say was, my name is RM and I'm a translator for this group. And I'm like, okay, well, I like you. He was the first one I knew. There was this one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm having a moment because I'm thinking of the way they were sitting. It was, and I'm going to use stage names because why not? I feel dumb using stage names, but for the sake of this being the introduction to me, we're going to throw it back to when I only knew them as their stage names. So it was RM, Jin, Suga, J-Hope. Behind J-Hope was V, then Jiminy, then JK. When they got to Jiminy and he did his whole thing with Jimmy, hey, Jimmy, I'm Jimin, and they hugged. And I'm like, well, that's the one I'm in love with. I love him. He's mine. (laughs) He's my favorite. I knew nothing about him. I just knew that he was beautiful and he had a really great smile. And he seemed really, really, really funny. These are all my just initial impressions. Actually, let's go down the line. My initial impression of RM was, wow, he speaks English. I understand what he's saying. My first impression of Jin was, okay, so he's a goof. Jung, Suga. I was like, okay, he's kind of cool. Hobie, I'm like, well, he's crazy. He's super cool. And he seems like he's very bubbly and I like him. My first impression of V, oh my gosh, V stands, don't kill me. But I was just like, eh, okay, V, like whatever. I didn't really, I was indifferent towards him. Jimin, holy moly. Um, JK, also very indifferent to him as well. My, how the tables have turned. I think back to 2018 baby army Lisa and I think what a freaking idiot. What an idiot. But I digress yet again. Let us continue. I know that my journey is similar to a lot of you listening to this. I know that I'm not the only one who went from knowing absolutely nothing to being able to tell who they are by their feet. 
And I don't know if that's something that's like a good thing to admit. And if I am the only one, perhaps I need mental help. But I know that I'm not the only one. Don't judge me. Sometimes I even question if they're human. I do refer to them as my earth angels at times. Music is kind of an amazing thing. It's It's been there for me when people couldn't be or, or when I wouldn't allow people to be there for me. Music never talks back. It never disappoints. When I think about my preconceived notions about listening to K-pop, they were so off the mark. I like opera. Do I speak Italian? No. I enjoy reggaeton. Do I speak Spanish? No. So why is listening to K-pop different than that? It's not. Newsflash, it's not. And I'm so glad that I was wrong. And I'm so glad that I gave it a shot. Because I just would have missed out on so much. And I often say that I regret not standing them sooner. But I do honestly and truly believe that I found them when I needed them. I found them when I needed to find my smile. And I just never knew that my smile would come back in the form of seven perfect earth angels. <laughs> Who knew? Who really knew? I guess I have a lot more to say, but I'm not sure how to say it. Truth be told, I did write a script out for this, but I tossed it in the first two minutes and just kind of, I was kind of winging it. If you've made it this far, I thank you. If you want to continue to listen, I thank you. Depending on the feedback from this, I'll, I'll do another one. It's, it's kind of nice talking and not being interrupted. It's kind of nice having you guys to talk to because I don't really have a lot of people to gush about Bangtan about or to. I feel fortunate that because of BTS, I not only found my smile, but I found some really great people in my life. People who have moved beyond the role of internet friend and have become real life friends who are firmly integrated into my daily life. And I'm just so thankful for that. I really am. It's just something I never thought would happen. Back in the days of, now I'm going to date myself, but back in the days of New Kids and Backstreet, we didn't have social media, so there wasn't that whole element of meeting other fans. At least not like this. This is different. This is, this is very different. Everything about this is different. Everything about this experience has been so beyond what I have known I've never been a part of a fandom like this before. It's been life-changing. I still do have a lot to say, but for the sake of time, I am going to stop this here. If you 
listened and you want more, let me know. If you listened and you think I suck, let me know. Just be nice about it. Maybe I'll do more. I would love to get feedback. I would love to have conversation with you guys. I would love to address things in the fandom that might not sit right with me. I would like to address things in the fandom that I love. I feel like this could be a great outlet, not only for me, but for you guys as well. I would love to be more interactive. I would, I would love to really have this continue and become a thing. So with your help, hopefully that can happen. I will come back next week with another episode and talk a little bit more about my journey, talk about the concert that I went to back in 2019, which still remains one of the absolute best moments of my life. Talk about a lot of things. I'll probably make a script for that one too and not stick to it. Just thought I'd warn you. Thank you guys to the ones who have supported me on this. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's because of you that I actually had the balls to do this. Well, it's because of you and BTS. <laughs> I hope that you guys really enjoyed this. I know that I did. And until... I feel like I need to sign off. Until I see you again. No. Until we meet again. No. Peace out, Cub Scouts. No. I need something. I need something. We'll work on it. I'm going to work on a name and I'm going to work on a sign out. Because I really think I need something cool. I don't know. Uh, Salange. Oh, was that really cringy? That was probably really, really cringy. I apologize. But I... Something? Anything? Bueller? All right. I'm going.